Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about Ukrainian president not pushed, the impeachment unraveling Ukraine. You do not want to miss this. Romney revealed the GOP elites in Washington versus the American people. And finally, mini AOC strikes again. And of last, of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk. Hey, you like our new camera angle? Pretty cool, huh? Welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. The Ukrainian avalanche continues in Washington, questions about impeachment. In the first five today, I wanna to hit just three points. Number one, if you had not heard, the president of the Ukraine, this gentleman Zelensky, who was on the phone with President Trump in July of this year, has made a statement saying he was not pushed during this campaign. We're gonna play his comments in just a moment during this phone call. We're gonna play some comments. It was actually recorded at the UN, a meeting between President Trump and Zelensky, reporters present. I just wanna show a little bit of the uh, camaraderie and the exchange between the two. So Zelensky said, I wasn't pushed into anything. Really matters to understand that. Number two, when the president released the transcript of the conversation between himself and Zelensky that you know, launched his firestorm, a big piece that came out that was just uh, missed by a lot in the media was the fact that CrowdStrike was mentioned. CrowdStrike being the organization, the only organization on the planet Earth, including even the FBI, that ever got to look at the DNC servers. It was CrowdStrike's take our word for it memo that all of the opinion you've ever heard expressed about the Russians hacked into the DNC servers, that whole argument is based on what CrowdStrike said CrowdStrike was mentioned by President Trump on the phone with Zelensky, making Democrats in Washington very, very, very nervous. Because if that CrowdStrike story comes out, if people begin to re realize that the CrowdStrike review of the um, servers was not legitimate, that it was just actually done as, as a cover for the Dems to keep the, um, the real source of the hack into the DNC servers, it really crushes the entire Trump Russia collusion. And the third point I want to make uh, in this in this opening five today uh, has to do with what I think is really happening, why this is all happening in Washington. And that is this. I think the Democrats very much want to take Biden out of the Democrat presidential nomination process. They never wanted an old white guy. Biden is up to his knees in corruption with the uh, up to his waist, if you want, up with, with in corruption with the Ukraine and his son Hunter Biden, they love to get Biden out. And frankly, what you'll hear more about later in the show, this will take Hillary out of contention too. And if you are thinking, well, Hillary's not running, uh, not so fast. I will never believe there'll be a U.S. election in America where Hillary's not considering running unless she is no longer with us. So Hillary also up to her eyeballs in corruption with Ukraine. Tell you more about that a little later in the show. But now I wanna play in our first five. There was a clip, this is a series of uh, snippets from the press conference at the UN between President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky. I believe the very wonderful math producer has it ready. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a great pleasure to me to be here. 
And uh, it's better to be on TV than by phone. Yeah. I think. <laughs> and uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. And I, I'm, I'm not uh, the first time, truly say, in New York. Right. But I know that you've never been in Ukraine. That's right. And uh, your predecessor, also, how to say it in English, didn't find time. I mean, uh, right. so uh, can you give me a word that you will come to our great country? Well, I'm going to try. I, I want to thank you for uh, invitation to uh, Washington. Right. You invited me. But I think, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but, but I think you forgot to tell me the date. <laughs> but whatever he can do in terms of corruption, because the corruption's massive. Now, when Biden's son walks away with millions of dollars from Ukraine and he knows nothing, and they're paying him millions of dollars, that's corruption. When Biden's son walks out of China with $1.5 billion in a fund, and the biggest funds in the world can't get money out of China, and he's there for one quick meeting and he flies in on Air Force Two. Uh, I think that's a horrible thing. I think it's a horrible thing, but I'm going far beyond that. Uh, I know the president and I've read a lot about Ukraine. I've read a lot about a lot of countries. He wants to stop corruption. He was elected, I think, number one on the basis of stopping corruption. I think that somebody, if you look at what he did, it's so bad. Where his son, he goes to China, he walks away with a billion and a half dollars. He goes to Ukraine and he walks away with $50,000 a month and a lot of money in addition to that. And the whole thing with the prosecutor in Ukraine. And he's on tape. This isn't like maybe he did it, maybe he didn't. He's on tape. This is why the American people love President Trump. He never backs down. He's in the middle of an impeachment inquiry in Washington. He has the Democrats and the media breathing down his throat. And instead of timidly backing up and, and going silent, he uses the opportunity at a UN hearing with the world's press in it, right in front of him to point out that it is what he was doing in that call when he's getting it to Zelensky was to say, you know, I want to look into the Biden corruption, the Biden-Ukraine dealing, all that, and, and we're going to talk later in the show, the actual Ukrainian known interference in the 2016 elections on behalf of Hillary Clinton, the Democrats. This is President Trump saying, I'm not backing down. I am, I have no problem with what I said. He's released the transcript of his phone call with Zelensky. The crowd strike word in the midst of that conversation, which many people were saying yesterday, why is he talking about crowd strike? He's talking about crowd strike because he's letting the Democrats know, I understand that whatever was in the DNC servers, there, there was a reason that the entire, the DNC never allowed the FBI or any other entity on the planet Earth to look at their servers all the time saying, don't worry, everyone on the planet can trust CrowdStrike, a private organization, the founder of which connected to the Ukraine, the CrowdStrike, the only entity that looked at the DNC servers from which the entire you know, the Russians hacked into the servers with Trump's assistance to, to uh, hurt the DNC in the 2016 elections, to hurt the Democrats. The entire scenario spun out of what CrowdStrike said. And Trump is telling the Democrats and the left, I know what you did and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Trump is not, and this phone call with Zelensky, he is not colluding with the Russian, with the Ukrainians to get the Ukrainians to interfere in the coming election 2020. He's exposing the corruption, draining the swamp of what happened in the 2016 American elections. And that, my friends, is today's first five. 
But the next topic, this topic also relates to Ukraine, and I just could hardly wait. Sometimes I'm getting ready for the show, literally quite often, uh, two hours ahead of the show, I'm still debating which stories can I, can I get to uncover. I could not wait to get and talk with you about this unraveling of the Ukraine mess. We have in Washington right now, we have the Democrat Party claiming impeachment is justified. Impeachment of the president is justified because of a phone call with Zelensky in which Trump has released a transcript. Trump has also today had the whistleblower complaint released to the public. The whistleblower thing is out there. The transcript of the call is out there. Trump's not hiding a thing. He's going after the corruption of the Democrats, but you still have this impeachment inquiry and the Democrats just huffing and and just, you know, all puffed up, sure themselves with the media right, right along with them, or maybe it's the media leading them, you never really can tell with them, talking about the idea that somehow this conversation that Trump had with Zelensky is grounds for impeachment. I want to talk about, I say unraveling Ukraine. I'm going to tell you some real honest to goodness things I haven't talked about in the show before about the connections between the Ukraine and the Democrat Party in the 2016 elections. Before I get to that, I want to play one other clip. There's a Republican, a member of Congress, Liz Cheney, and she spoke to the press yesterday right after a meeting between uh, the Democrat-Republican caucuses talking about this impeachment thing. I love what she said. She is so darn tough. So if Matt, if we have that ready, I want to play Liz Cheney saying her thing to the press yesterday in Washington. Looks like we made it. Good yeah. morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we have uh, just come from our conference and uh, really focused on the discussion about what the Speaker of the House and the House Democrats did yesterday. And, you know, we have watched now, ever since President Trump was elected, uh, the House Democrats have been careening from impeachment theory to impeachment theory. Uh, they've careened from target to target for a while. Ten days or so ago, they were focused on impeaching Justice Kavanaugh. Now they're back to focusing on President Trump. But what we see repeatedly is a complete uh, lack of focus on, concern about evidence and facts. And what Speaker Pelosi did yesterday uh, really uh, was the worst we've seen yet, where she announced an impeachment inquiry without any evidence, without seeing a transcript of the phone call at issue, without seeing any details from the supposed whistleblower. And when you think about what that does, both from the perspective of our constitutional obligation uh, and from the perspective of our national security, uh, it ought to give every American grave concerns that they are dealing with this in a way that is absolutely so, such a flagrant disregard of their constitutional responsibility. Okay, I love her. She is so tough. She is so strong. She has that her father's quality about him. You know, she's a daughter of a former Vice President Dick Cheney that, that when he speaks, you know it's serious, it's substantive, it comes from a place of knowledge, not just of factual knowledge, but of core conviction about the importance of truth, the importance of America. She, I just love when she speaks. I've actually met her once, she just, she's fabulous. But what she's talking about is the Democrats in Washington willing to, now as I pointed out yesterday, they're not really moving for impeachment, they're not really, they don't dare hold a vote on the floor of the House, they don't have enough Democrats willing to go public to say they support impeachment, but they're just building up the, the lather of their base to whom they've been promising impeachment since, since before President Trump was sworn in, since the time he won the election. 
But this impeachment fervor has jumped in the Democrat Party, as Liz Cheney was pointing out, from one issue to the next, always somehow trying to claim, yeah, you know, we really have the possibility of impeachment here. We can impeach this guy. And they're looking for something. There's nothing in the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. It took us, you know, two and a half years to get through, uh, millions of dollars, nothing there. They had a very, they just go on and on. So here they are, the Ukrainian thing. But I want to hit these things, uh, some I believe facts you either may not know or I want to embellish on the significance of them. Number one, the Ukrainian involvement in the 2016 elections. Leave aside all the corruption with Biden and his son. We've talked about that before. In 2016, Politico, the left-leaning rag, you know, online rag, the very, very left-leaning Politico, ran a story talking about a meeting in the Washington, D.C., Ukrainian embassy between the Democrat National Committee and a Ukrainian-American operative. And it got kind of ignored at the time. It was like, oh, what are they even talking about? You know, Ukraine is not, you know, we don't have anything to worry about with that. So it got kind of ignored. But let me describe what they were talking about. This is from Politico, who I'm sure wishes they never reported this. They have a story, uh, this is from 2016, that they acknowledge, and if it's coming from them, you know they didn't mean to hurt the Democrats with it. Ukrainian government officials tried to help Hillary Clinton, their words, Ukrainian government officials tried to help Hillary Clinton and undermine Trump by publicly questioning his fitness for also for office. They also disseminated documents implicating a top Trump aide in corruption and suggested they were investigating the matter only to back away after the election. And they helped Clinton's allies research damaging information on Trump and his advisors, a Politico investigation found. A Ukrainian-American operative who was consulting with the Democrat National Committee met with top officials in the Ukrainian embassy in Washington in an effort to expose ties between Trump, top campaign aide Paul Manafort, and Russia, according to people with direct knowledge of the situation. So Hillary's trying to use Ukrainians back in 2016 to undermine Trump's campaign. The Democrats today are saying Trump should be impeached for a president-to-president phone call in which he's urging Zelensky to again look into the corruption involving Biden, and not just the corruption of Biden and his son, but Biden, who's on tape acknowledging, as Trump was just pointing out at the clip we saw, Biden acknowledging, yeah, I twisted their arm. I said, we're, we're withholding a billion dollars in aid unless you fire this prosecutor who's looking into my son's company. And that is front and center for America to see, which is why I get the conclusion Nancy Pelosi and the Dems have decided Biden's got to get out of this campaign. He's just, you know, he's floundering. I, I, I don't wish dementia or diminished mental capacity on anyone. But President Biden or Vice President Biden is not functioning well on the campaign trail. He's struggling to remember facts. He's recounting things that never happened that are provably false. So he's struggling. And besides, they didn't want old white guy. Anyway, they want him out. This is the way to get him out. Okay, but my first point about the Ukrainians and the Democrats, the political left-wing news site reported this, that Hillary's team, the DNC, met with the Ukrainians in Washington to talk about how they could help tube Trump. Just think about, we just had a whole Russian investigation into Trump-Russia collusion over nothing, 
over a farce, over a falsity. But here's Hillary and the Dems going after Ukrainians trying to get their help. They actually had Ukrainian efforts had an impact on the race, helping to force Manafort's resignation and advancing the narrative that Trump's campaign was deeply connected to Ukraine's foe in the East, Russia. So first piece of the connection, the real connection, the real Ukrainian unraveling Ukraine and the Democrats. Second one, there is a guy running around Washington giving interviews, a Ukrainian. His name is Sirhi Lashenko. Sirhi Lashenko is an ex-advisor to Ukrainian President Zelensky, the current uh, President Zelensky. This guy Lashenko was quoted, uh, in fact, I've got to tell you, this uh, Joe Scarborough, you know who that is, he, uh, at Joe NBC, had tweeted out that Lashenko, Lashenko is saying that Trump conditioned his willingness to have a phone call with Zelensky of the Ukraine on Zelensky's willingness to talk about the Biden matter. So he's asserting that he knows this, that you know Trump wasn't willing to talk to Zelensky unless he could raise the Biden matter. He goes on to say um, that the, um, the uh, Biden uh, tells, he also had an interview with ABC, uh, the Biden investigation was encouraged actually uh, during this call, which you already know. Okay, so I want to mention who this Lashenko character is. He's being propped up as a C. He's another guy. He's exposing Trump, Ukraine collusion. He's, he's exposing, you know, Trump doing something terrible, having this conversation with Zelensky. Lashenko was heavily involved in the Democrat Party's opposition research efforts into former Trump's campaign, into, into Paul Manafort. So Lashenko, who's now trying to parade himself as a, an advocate for truth and justice, so he's standing, he's interviewed on all these uh, media shows, taking take the position, he's got the high ground, he's a Zelensky uh, person, he is just you know, really offended by the idea that you had Trump and Zelensky actually discussing whether or not the Ukrainians should look into Biden again. Lashenko is up to his neck from 2016 in the effort to help the DNC and Hillary tube Trump's nomination. Same guy. In fact, his involvement was so bad that he ended up, in fact, he was the one at a press conference in the summer of 2016 to highlight the ledger. Remember the whole, the black ledger thing that got Manafort in so much trouble? He was the one in that press conference. And he's and he said in the press conference, I believe and understand the basis of these payments are totally against the law. Lashenko, so far into it in helping Hillary Clinton in 2016, a Ukrainian government official help, helping Hillary in 2016, that he was prosecuted in the Ukraine. Lashenko was criminally prosecuted and December of 2018 found guilty, found guilty in the country of Ukraine of the, it was, it was called the description of what his uh, wrongdoing was that he ended up, I got the right page here. Yeah, it was that he unlawfully participated in interfering with the 2016 American elections. So Lashenko being propped up as the truth and justice guy by the left and trying to expose how, how wrong it is that Trump had a call with Zelensky and said, hey, look into Biden. This Zelensky guy, December 2018, a court in um, KYIV, a city in Ukraine, found that Lyshenko's release of the Black Ledger led to interference in the electoral process of the United States in 2016 and harmed the interests of Ukraine as a state. So a guy convicted in the Ukraine of interfering in the 2016 elections to help Hillary and the Dems 
is now the poster boy for standing up about corruption if Trump dares to talk with Zelensky. Last piece in this kind of un unraveling Ukraine is that now it turns out that here in America, the, uh, the uh, U.S. attorney, John Durham, the one who is uh, helping William Barr in a variety of ways, U.S. attorney John Durham is, uh, excuse me, John Durham is now looking into the Ukrainian involvement in 2016. So the Dems' determination to raise this issue, to go for impeachment of Trump over a phone call with his counterpart in the Ukraine, despite all of the genuine, true corruption, controversy, deception, call it what you want, between Biden and the Ukraine and Hillary and the Ukraine, all of that is supposed to be the way the Dems treat anything the Dems have done that was wrong or questionable, it must never be discussed again, is to be dismissed, is to be laughed at, is to be ignored. But Trump has one phone call and man, he's up for impeachment. I'm telling you, I think that number one, well, let me finish on Durham. Durham is doing an investigation. He actually announced, he, is reveal, he revealed, um, he's investigating whether the Ukraine was involved in any of the 2016 election efforts. Seems like all he's got to do is call the court in Ukraine who convicted Lyshenko to figure out that question. But the larger point is this, you are seeing hypocrisy and audacity on steroids in the Democrat party in Washington today. You are seeing them talking about impeaching the president. They've been using impeach Trump, impeach Trump over everything, but their, their flavor of the week is impeach him over a phone call with Zelensky when all of this other genuine, provable, undoubtable, no, no one is, is questioning actual corruption and collusion between the Ukrainians and the Democrat side is right in front of them to see, but that doesn't matter. No, nothing to see here, folks. Move on from that. All we're going to talk about is one phone call between Trump and Zelensky. I think that, number one, to wrap up this segment, number one, Nancy Pelosi and the Dems want Biden out. They, this is all the attention on the Ukraine is going to cause conservative pundits, conservative Americans, news sources to have to report, well, there was all this that Biden did, and there was all this that Hillary and the DNC did in 2016, and pretty soon the Democrats are going to have egg on their face. But they're kind of okay with that. They can get Biden out and they can placate their base. They've been promising that they will somehow move uh, to get Trump out of office. And there was a Democrat congressman from Texas, Al Green, who said in one of the many news conferences about, you know, uh, impeaching Trump, basically said, you know, we got to get him out now or else we face him in 2020. They want Trump out because they don't have anyone on their side who can beat him and they know it. This is why I think is really, it's just astonishingly foolhardy because, you know, within, once you're, you know, 10 miles out of the Washington DC bubble, the average Joe American is saying, you're talking about corruption of Trump between, with a call with Zelensky, who's all the call said was, you ought to figure out what happened. Trump is exposing corruption, not engaging in it. And I think most of America is gonna figure that out very, very soon. I want to do a little story today about Mitt Romney. I actually have contemplated periodically doing a, a longer segment on Mitt Romney, but Mitt Romney has, as you likely know, he's the endless source of, you know, and he's a, he's a more reliable source for the uh, left-wing media in this country than almost any Republican. He's become the John McCain 
of the U.S. Senate. He's become the one you can always go to if you want to find a Republican to criticize the president or a Republican to criticize Americans, you know, go to Romney, he's your guy. So Romney has been among the most vocal saying, you know, if, if Trump really did this, if he actually had a phone call with Zelensky and he actually said to Zelensky, I think you should look into the Biden case again. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. One little factoid came out. I just want to share this about Romney's um, bias in the situation. It turns out that when Romney was running for president and unsuccessfully running for president, he had on his team, he had on his team a guy, you know, they all have to, a serious contenders for president. You have to have advisors, substantive, knowledgeable advisors. He, Romney, and his team, when he was running uh, in 2012, so this is during the 2011, you know, 2011 time period, he appointed as his advisor on foreign policy a guy named Joseph Kofer, C-O-F-E-R, Black. And his nickname, I guess, he goes by Kofer. So Kofer Black was a special advisor on foreign policy to Romney's campaign running for president in the 2012 election cycle. Kofer happens to sit on the board of, get ready for it, Burisma. The same company that Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, sat on the board of. The same corrupt company, Ukrainian company, which the Ukrainian prosecutor was investigating until Joe Biden came along and arm twisted and threatened to cut off a billion dollars in aid unless they dropped the investigation. That same company, Burisma, is a company that, Joe, that Mitt Romney's obvious trusted advisor sat on, uh, still sat on that, sits on that board as of today and was, was Romney's advisor. So Romney's head on foreign policy is more supportive of this guy and this Ukra corrupt Ukrainian company uh, because his buddy sits on the board than it is at Gang to the Truth. So Romney's, uh, you know, truth on steroids thing, I, I gotta tell you, just, I, I find it just amazing. One other quick story I wanna hit uh, today and then uh, get to a um, fun little uh, clip at the end. I did throw in a fun little story at the end because sometimes I think the show gets fairly intense and a little fun one, but one last very serious story was in Washington, there was yet another vote by the Senate, the U.S. Senate, which, as you know, has a Republican majority. Uh, if, as it, you, know, you have to count Romney as a Republican, and you have to count a few of the other unreliables as Republicans, but a Republican majority. But the GOP-controlled U.S. Senate held another vote this week rebuking Trump on his national emergency declaration, essentially trying to say Trump cannot use the military funding that he's been using to build the wall, Trump can't use that funding because they disagree with Trump's emergency declaration. Trump declared the southern border, the completely you know, uncontrolled southern border, uh, as a national emergency, permitting him to use his military funding to build the wall. So the Republican-controlled Senate decided to, again, this is not the first time they've done it, they had a vote where some Republicans voted with the Democrats, voted to say Trump can't use the military funding he is using to build the wall because they are disagreeing with his declaration of a national emergency. And I have two or three points to make on that. Number one is just think, try to make yourself think of any example where when President Obama 
was in the White House or any Democrat was in the White House, did you see a majority, you see a, a cluster of Democrat senators undermining his agenda? You can't find it. Democrats don't undermine each other. The GOP all day long, all day long. So the GOP in the Senate, you know, including Romney, of course, voted that Trump can't continue to use his military funding uh, to build the wall because they disagree with his emergency declaration. So number one, this is undermining of your own party's president. Number two, this is an astonishing acknowledgement that these people are saying they don't think that a completely unsecure southern border could possibly be an emergency. Why would that be an emergency? I mean, we have, as we talked about in the show before, we have Islamic terrorists from Bangladesh. Yes, Bangladesh. We have Islamic terrorists from other countries. We have human traffickers, drug traffickers, sex traffickers, gang members, gang cartel members coming across the southern border flooding the southern states, but there's not an emergency. You're not supposed to see this as an emergency. That's what the De these, these Washington Republicans in the Senate, the few, obviously the Democrats all voted together to say that Trump can't use his military money for the wall, but they had enough Republicans join the Democrats that the, 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 the resolution passed you know, that said he can't use the money. Now, to be clear, Trump can veto this. He'll veto it. And then there's some provision that they can't bring it up over and over and over. I think they have to wait, whatever it was, six weeks or some period of time, they have to wait uh, before they can bring it up again. You know, so nothing, and the, you know, that's the third point about this. Nothing really happens because they passed this resolution. They didn't cause the, uh, they didn't stop the money from being used. They, they did not prevent President Trump from moving forward using this military funds to build the wall because he's declared a national emergency. So there's no impact of this vote. It's not like they succeeded in stopping the use of that money. It's entirely a show vote. They know Trump is going to veto it. He's not going to listen to them. So he's going to keep building the wall. They don't have the votes to override his veto. They know they don't have those votes. So it's completely a show vote. Next point on this effort of the other, um, all the Democrats, I do hold them accountable too, but I hold the Republicans in the U.S. Senate even more accountable because what is driving so much of the unwillingness to secure the border, what is driving the agenda to oppose border security is too many people in Washington getting donations from the Chamber of Commerce, other organizations that want the flow of illegal aliens to continue. It is members of the Senate receiving donations from Chamber of Commerce or the Chamber of Commerce affiliates that give them money and say, you know, we're donating to you, but don't you let that southern border get secure. Don't you let that wall be built. So these people are more beholden to the donors that help them stay in office because it's expensive to run campaigns, it's expensive to, to remain in office. They're more beholden to the people donating money to them regardless of whether what those people want is gonna hurt America or help America, they're more beholden to them. The final point I will give small credence to, there is a small handful, a small handful of Republicans in the Senate who genuinely mean that they think they have to vote against allowing Trump to continue to using military funds under this emergency declaration to build the wall, they say it's because uh, they that this was not a legitimate emergency and they, the Senate, have the constitutional obligation 
to hold the president in check, to not let him use power he shouldn't be using. Now, that is a legitimate in the abstract argument. You, they do. I mean, the Senate, they, that's what they should do among the many things. is just balance of power, it's checks and balances. Yeah, they have that obligation in the abstract. But to exercise it here goes back to my first point. They are exercising it here because they cannot agree with the president that there is actually some crisis at our southern border. And if you can't see the crisis at the southern border, if you can't see that the, the declaration of a national emergency was justified given our unsecured border and the hordes, the hundreds and thousands of bad actors crossing into America across our southern border, then you just, you have very, very, very poor judgment. But I want to actually call out the Republicans who voted against Trump. And really, when I, that, my last quick point was, when you vote against permitting the president to continue building the wall, you're really voting against the will of the American people. It was one of the primary promises President Trump made. One of the primary reasons that drove such enthusiasm among American voters was Trump is going to secure the border. So the Republicans who did this, who voted with the Democrats, were Susan Collins of Maine. She's barely Republican, but hey, Susan Collins of Maine. Mitt Romney, naturally, of Utah. Lamar Alexander, Tennessee. Uh, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, you know, not really Republican. Anyway, Rand Paul of Kentucky, he is one I will give credit to. I think he has a genuine, genuinely held sense that this is a constitutional issue. And so he's not, he's not trying to undermine the president. He sees it as a constitutional issue. It doesn't make him right. Mike Lee of Utah could not be more disappointed in him. Jerry Moran of Kansas, Rob Portman of Ohio, Pat Tooney of Pennsylvania, Roy Blunt of Missouri, and Roger Wicker of Mississippi. Marco Rubio, Marco Rubio voting. You know, he's got that soft spot where he just says he cannot get on board with securing the border. He can... He talks, he talks about immigration in a way that is much more like a Democrat, much more like, well, we got to kind of find a way to make, let them all come here. So Marco Rubio, um, and anyway, I take it back. Marco Rubio didn't vote. He previously voted disapprove with the emergency declaration, but didn't vote in this. So those are the Republicans who found it in this environment, when you have the Democrat Party just clamoring to abandon the border, clamoring to embrace globalization, you had these Republicans in the Senate decide it's smarter and a better call overall, smarter and a better call to embarrass the president, to vote with the Democrats against the president, to try to prevent him or to, to vote that he cannot use the emergency funding because of the emergency declaration use the military funding. They found that a better decision than the decision to stand with the president, the American people, the security of the border and the construction of the wall extremely, extremely disappointing on their part. If you're one of those types that writes emails and calls Congress, calls the Senate, this would be a great topic to call them on. Truly, truly so disappointed. I mean, unsurprised in the case of Mitt Romney because, you know, he, he's in a league of his own. We're going to have to do a special Mitt Romney segment sometime. League of his own, just, you know, elitist, ruling class, uh, you know, doesn't care what the American people think about anything. He's about being one of the ruling elite. And the idea that he had to... Uh, serve in the Senate under President Trump does not sit very well with him. Last topic for the day, and this is a little bit of an entertaining topic, but I'm sure you've seen this uh, young girl that she call people call her the mini AOC. She's a young girl who uh, combs her hair like, has dark hair like, uh, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. 
She puts her hair like her. She has these glasses with the dark frames like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she does these hilarious imitations of her. Hilarious imitations. And she was criticized. She used to do them a lot. There's a lot of criticism, a lot of talk about the American left. They were exploiting a child. You know, whoever was putting her up to this or exploiting her. And this is terrible. And she was kind of backed off and wasn't on on air as much. Wasn't doing these videos as much as she had. But... After we had the adventure at the United Nations this week of Greta Thunberg, the Swiss girl who was on stage at the climate summit at the UN and did the piece, which I'm not going to play her again, but you know, she had the, the, the really, uh, I'm trying to think of a polite word, really strong meltdown emotional, you know, shaking voice, just scared to death that we're all going to die tomorrow from climate change because no one's ever informed her of the facts. They have planted climate agenda fear in her to the point she thinks that everyone in the world is is in, in mortal danger if we don't do something drastic, you know, very soon. So once the left decided they could exploit Greta Thunberg, She is speaking all over the world. This climate activism out of the voice of children is true exploitation of children, true exploitation of that girl and every other young child who participated in this. And there were others. But this girl, you know, she had, and I am am sorry for this young woman, Greta Thunberg, because she acknowledged herself. Her mom has acknowledged, you know, she suffers from Asperger's. So she has challenges in life speaking. She suffers at least mildly from autism, somewhere on the autism spectrum. She suffered from depression. She's a very challenged, tender, fragile young girl. And yet the left was willing to use her to plant the seeds of climate hysteria and let her launch on the national stage. And they do it very specifically because they assume that when people hear a young person speaking, they won't dare challenge her. They won't dare eye roll. They won't dare question. They'll say, well, you know, I mean, we can't say that because a child said it. It is, it is designed choosing a child to be the spokesperson of the climate hysteria agenda is a conscious decision to silence opposition, a conscious decision to silence people who would dare challenge the climate alarmist agenda. So AOC, uh, this AOC mini-me is back. She did a, a little video. She started, I can't, I can't play the whole, I have a little clip to play for you. But she started out by saying that she had read a book recently and she wanted everyone to read it. And it was a great new book. And basically she's telling the story in the book about how she read this book that helped her understand that what was coming, this climate uh, impending disaster is coming and we're all going to be washed away and sent up into the stars. I mean, just, just you know, crazy, silly thing. She's mocking the climate um, agenda seriousness, but here she does something really great and I want to have her play. This is a little mini AOC. When the sky is falling while sea levels are rising, then the oceans will spill over the sides of the earth and we'll all drown in outer space. Did you know that? Like, you can also ask my former classmate Greta. One day, this man named George Soros showed up and took Greta out of class and I haven't seen her since. Like, isn't it strange that the same liberals who ran me off the internet are defending Greta because she's a kid? So it makes me feel pretty safe to come back. Maybe they've changed. Okay, I don't have any idea who writes her scripts, but I mean, she manages in this extremely entertaining little clip 
kind of end of my show week entertainment, but she manages to say George Soros took Greta Thunberg out of her class. And to be clear, George Soros, money in the middle of all of this climate agenda. I mean, he is a, the, a primary feeder of it, took her out. She's disappeared. And then she's really even the little line she gets in about all the people who were saying she, this young girl, mini AOC, should not be allowed to speak that she's being exploited. And yet they're willing to exploit this girl who, and then she says, you know, disappeared from her class. So, I mean, really, really funny. If you go to our website, americachemitalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, go down, list of links, you can find the clip. They'll take you to that entire uh, video. So entertaining and so, um, just so clever and really kind of poking at the left a little bit about their double standards, that this girl was being exploited, a little mini AOC, if she even speaks, and yet you can have this 16-year-old, very troubled, very fragile child, scared to death and angry with the world over all the climate hysteria, lack of information she's been fed. And now, I love to, in this show every week, every day I try to do at the end of the show, turn to talking about why the stories I talk about matter to you. And I wanna say one quick thing about that. You know, one, thank you very much, Matt, the wonderful producer. One quick thing about that. On this show, I try to choose stories that in some way tie into the larger question of how do we, the recipients, the inheritors of this profound experiment in human liberty, which is America, how do we today preserve this country? There are many, many threats against this country. I'm not talking about external uh, military threats. There are those too. I mean, radical Islam is a huge uh, external threat, violent threat. China is a threat. I mean, there, we have threats against our country. But what I'm talking about in this show often have to do with the threats to our culture, our fabric of liberty, our ability as American citizens to recognize the dangers posed by many ideas of the left that will ultimately in some way bring about the destruction of our freedom, the ending of our culture of liberty, the ending of this fabulous, beautiful, extraordinary country called America that we have the great privilege to live in and to defend. So at the end of the show, I try to tie in the stories or at least kind of summarize the stories and tell you why they really matter in terms of our job as today's patriots to defend this precious country. Now I'd love to go to why it matters to you. So here we are. We have the Ukrainian president said flat out in that interview, he was not pushed. These simple truths matter. Ukrainian President Zelensky said he was not pushed in the now famous call with President Trump. Yet Democrats are still so concerned about that call. Why would that be? Trump is trying to get to the bottom of the 2016 election interference, which plainly involves Ukrainian government activity and secondarily involves alleged Biden family corruption. Trump mentioned CrowdStrike in the now famous call, which is the private cybersecurity contractor employed by the DNC that, it appears falsely, validated the suspect Russians hacked the DNC meme that has roiled America. If the Russians demonstrably did not hack the DNC emails, the entire coup attempt is plainly exposed as launched upon a lie that many Democrats knew about. Unraveling the Ukraine, U.S. Attorney John Durham now looking into the Ukrainian involvement in America's 2016 election. That has got to be making the Democrats nervous. Stories reported by leftist Politico in 2016, DNC officials met with a Ukrainian-American operative in the Ukrainian embassy in D.C. 
to discuss how the Ukrainians could help the Democrats win by disseminating documents implicating Paul Manafort and by publicly questioning Trump's fitness for office, Ukrainian Lyshenko, who is on the major left-wing networks, who's feeding the anti-Trump fervor in D.C. today, was convicted in the Ukraine in December of 2018 of interfering in America's electoral process. Romney explained why it matters. Besides Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, Mitt Romney's 2012 presidential campaign national security advisor, Joseph Kofer Black, is on the board of directors of the Ukrainian company Burisma, which is at the center of the Obama-Biden corruption. CNN reports that Romney is among few Republicans concerned about Trump's call urging the Ukraine to look into Biden and Burisma. I'll let you connect those dots. GOP elites in Washington and the border, why it matters, the GOP-controlled Senate voted to block funding for the wall. Their rationale is dressed up in an exaggerated concern over abuse of power to declare a national emergency and their obvious then denial of an actual emergency that the border insecurity represents. The truth is there's a uniparty in Washington opposed to the will of the American people who seek common sense border security for their country. The elites don't want the wall or border security. They want to ignore the will of the people. Last mini AOC strikes again. Exploitation of the unassailable child for political causes has long been a tactic of totalitarians because it can be used to shut off adult debate. Greta Thunberg is a truly tragic example of mean and damaging to her exploitation. She's publicly discussed her struggles with depression, yet she is constantly fed by the left with untruths and half-truths about climate change to keep her in a constant state of anger and despair. This is truly so terribly cruel. But for comic relief, Little Miss Mini AOC has returned to the online stage. Nothing rattles excuse me, totalitarian wannabes more than mockery. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I hope very much to tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, right here. And if you are watching on Facebook, please like this page. Please share this posting. Please comment. I love hearing from you. You can email me at AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com. I love trying to answer everybody, although I'm way behind. Yes, I am. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd love if you would please subscribe to this channel. Tell your friends. Comment. I like to try to respond to... I, can't respond to me. I try to respond to the uh, comments, if I can, on YouTube of the subscribers. I enjoy going the back and forth. And most of all, I will tell you, I love talking about preserving America, this just precious gift of liberty. We have the job of preserving in today's time. I talk about America because America matters. Talk to you next time. Can We Talk? Truth About America.